in Japanese, there are a lot of different ways to change a word to mark your level of politeness of who you are addressing. You might learn in Quechua that you talk about the past as being in front of you because you can see it and you know what happened in the past, whereas the future is behind you because your back is to it because you don't know what it holds. So each of these are sort of an exploration linguistically of how the language works, but also if you are a native English speaker, something you might find new about it. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. We learn about the Planet Word Museum in Washington, D.C. and its innovative exhibits on the wonders of the English language with its curator of programming, Rebecca Roberts. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we have a very special episode in store for you. We are joined by Rebecca Roberts, curator of programming at Planet Word Museum in Washington, D.C. Planet Word is the world's first voice-activated museum, and it provides interactive galleries and exhibits that bring words and language to life in all sorts of fun ways. That's right up our alley. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I can't lie. I have been looking forward to sharing with our listeners and the world how amazing Planet Word is. I got a sneak peek when you gave a virtual tour of the museum as part of this year's Language Advocacy Day back in February. But before we hear more about the museum and your work, can you please tell us a little bit more about your own journey with languages and what you do? Absolutely. So to my shame, I am monolingual English, but I will give myself credit for really exploiting English in a lot of different contexts. <laughs> um, so certainly in terms of enjoying other people's words, um, I've always been a voracious reader, huge consumer of audiobooks. Um, I've always been a performer, a singer. Hmm. Um, and then in terms of creating my own joy and wonder with the English language, I was for a very long time a radio reporter. And oh. Uh, radio, as you know from podcasting, is a very intimate medium. You have to write descriptively in order to create pictures for your listeners, but you also have to write the way you speak because if you have too many dependent clauses or a verb without a clear subject, you've just lost people. Sure. Um, and so that is a really fascinating and wondrous way to explore what English can do. Um, and then I did actually go into uh, print as well. I've published three books. I just signed a contract for a fourth, and those are all nonfiction. I write American mm -hmm. history. Congratulations. Um, That's awesome. So it's all these different venues and freedoms. And then now I get to actually work in a word museum where not mm -hmm. only do I get to play with words for a living, but I get to share the joy and wonder of English with a really diverse audience. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Well, Planet Word opened its doors in October of 2020. In a nutshell, what is Planet Word and what is your role? Planet Word is a museum of words and language. What does that mean? We have no collection. We don't have words behind glass and text on a wall <laughs> explaining what that word is. We have no artifacts. Um, it is an exploration of why English is so beautiful and wondrous and all the wonderful things you can do with it. We do explore other languages in some contexts as well, but I will say it is an English language-based museum. 
My role is curator of programming, which is a delightful title that tells you absolutely nothing about what I do for a living. (laughs) Um, So all of the kind of human interactions in the museum come under my management. So programming, education, visitor services, volunteers, private events, community outreach. I didn't have anything to do with the design and installation of the exhibits themselves. But every time a human walks into the building and interacts with one of those exhibits, Mm -hmm. then that comes under my world. So when you walked us uh, through the museum as part of the conference, the experience starts with the speaking willow tree when you actually are fortunate enough to be there in person. And the entire museum has nine galleries that introduce visitors to the power of words through aspects like jokes, speech making and music. So how exactly do those galleries engage visitors? And very importantly, what's your favorite joke? Ooh. Here's my favorite joke. My favorite joke in the museum. Yes. I will not say it's my favorite joke of all time. Okay. (laughs) Why did the Norwegian military put barcodes on its ships? Why? So they could Scandinavian. I can't there wait. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to tell my wife that joke. She's going to, I can see her face now. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might get the eye roll. A lot of the jokes in the museum really only deserve an eye roll. They are so corny, but it is delightful to watch people try to tell them to each other. So the premise of the museum is that you learn, if, if you start on the third floor and work your way down, which you super don't have to, you can go wherever you want, but there is a little bit of a linear path of pedagogy mm-hmm. if you do that. And if you start at the top, you get a little bit of underlying lessons in how humans acquire language. There's an adorable video montage of babies learning to speak. Hmm. Uh, then how words enter the English language. Um, all the different populations that conquered England and brought their language traditions with them, but also onomatopoeia and coin terms and portmanteau. And then there's an exploration of how languages vary around the globe. And that is a room with this massive LED globe in the middle, but uh, iPads with language ambassadors on each of them. And they there are 31 different languages represented mm. there. And they wow. tell you a little bit about their language, how it varies from English. You might learn a little bit about internal structure of that language. Um, And this is all interactive. You are speaking to this iPad. It is speaking Mm -hmm. back to you. Um, And so you might, for instance, learn that Native Hawaiian only has 16 letters in the alphabet. And so words get really long because the same consonant, uh, same syllables are repeated regularly Mm because you'll never have two consonants next to each other in Hawaiian. Or you might learn that... um, In Japanese, there are a lot of different ways to change a word to mark your level of politeness of who you are addressing. Um, You might learn in Quechua that there's sort of a worldview difference that you talk about the past as being in front of you because you can see it and you know what happened in the past, whereas the future is behind you because your back is to it because you don't know what it holds. Yeah. Um, So each of these are sort of an exploration linguistically of how the language works, but also a little bit of... Uh, if you are a native English speaker, something you might find um, different or uh, new about it. And then everything else in the museum, everything else you do, is just all the cool stuff you can do with words. <laughs> so there's a karaoke room. Um, in the karaoke room, like traditional karaoke, you pick a song, the lyrics scroll on the screen, you go up to the microphone, you perform it. 
But while the lyrics are scrolling on the side of the screen, the songwriting technique is also scrolling. So you might be rocking out to single ladies and in the corner it'll say, you know, Beyonce's using echo here or assonance or anaphora. Um, There is a joke telling gallery, as you mentioned. Um, (laughs) There's a magical library, which is so cool. I I need a better word because I work in a word museum, but it's so cool. (laughs) Um, There's a speech making gallery. Um, There's a little tiny gallery where you can paint with words. There's a mural projected on the three walls of that room and you dip a paintbrush in an adjective. And as you paint the mural, Hmm. The whole scene changes based on the adjective you chose. Oh, wow. Um, and then there are uh, there's a gallery about advertising and copywriting and using words to persuade people to change their minds. Huh. Um, and then the final gallery is, it's called Words Matter. And it sort of brings this all together about, yes, words are wondrous and beautiful. They're also really powerful. Mm-hmm. And we take a descriptive, not a prescriptive view of language in the museum, you can use language however you want. We all have that power. There is not one right way to speak English. If you were taught there was one right way to speak English, you were taught that by people who speak English a certain way. Their better way isn't better than anyone else's. And so that is freedom, but it's also power. You get to change English however you want. Um, so that final gallery sort of emphasizes that words can change your life. Um, and there are some first-person narratives in there. There's a recording booth in there for you to tell your own word story. Um, and then it's, you know, exit through the gift shop, like all good museums, but it's, uh, um, it's just sort of content everywhere, everywhere you turn. Fantastic. This is, this is amazing. I, I want to go now. We can't wait to welcome you. (laughs) The museum website, which uh, we'll have a link to in the show notes for our listeners. Uh, the website features resources for educators. What are some ways that language educators can incorporate the museum and its resources into their teaching, both virtually and in person? So when we developed our educational resources, we expected that would be in person. And then this year happened, right? <laughs> so did it ever. So we do have, we went through each of the galleries and there is, although everything is fun and you can come away from this museum singing karaoke and not learning a thing if that's what you want to do, (laughs) because museum education is informal and Mm -hmm. optional. Um, But we did go through and peg the pedagogy, which there is in every gallery, to common core standards, to age appropriate levels and develop activities pre-work, follow-up work um, Mm -hmm. to each of the galleries. And then we also have developed, our education manager has developed some virtual field trips. And those, you know, we thought would be a stopgap, but we're going to keep offering them long after we're able to welcome kids to the building because Mm -hmm. it runs our reach so well. So there's one based around the joke telling gallery that's about idioms, idiomatic language and expressions. Um, And that has actually been particularly interesting. That's a middle grades level field trip, but it's been particularly interesting in um, ESOL classes because mm. idiomatic language is mm-hmm. so different language to language. Um, and then we have one that's uh, developed around that um, copywriting and advertising gallery that helps kids sort of put a critical eye. It's an upper level um, field trip mm-hmm. uh, on the media they're consuming and uh, understand what advertisers and um, even people who are trying to sell an issue, not a product, uh, are trying to make you think about with the words they're choosing. Hmm. That's wonderful. So where can our listeners find out more about Planet Word? Where are you? When can what? they come see you? 
So we are in the historic Franklin School at the corner of 13th and K Northwest in downtown Washington, D.C. It's a really striking building. It's mm-hmm. an 1869 schoolhouse with turrets and weather vanes. And um, yeah. it uh, it's just one of those things where native Washingtonians have passed it for years and thought, what is that castle at the corner of 13th and K? Um, and it's very close to a bunch of metro stops and it's right on the north side of the mall. So if you're in the neighborhood looking at, you know, Ford Theater and the White House and things like that, come on down. Um, online, planetwordmuseum.org is our website. Not only can you, the museum is free, so you can reserve free passes there if you are able to come visit. But also, we've really developed a nice, robust stream of virtual programs. Mm-hmm. Again, something we thought would be a stopgap, but has been so much fun that we are going to continue those long after we're able to welcome groups back to the museum. Um, and so, you know, you might find that we're exploring song lyrics uh, on Valentine's Day about what makes a good love song and creating yeah. a love song playlist. Or we might be talking about uh, how to build a crossword puzzle and why people love crossword puzzles and how you judge whether it's a Monday easy crossword puzzle or a Friday <laughs> difficult crossword puzzle. Um, we've got programs about the intersection of rap and poetry. We've got programs about um, the language of healthcare messaging when you're trying mm-hmm. to reach specific audiences and uh, convince them to do something for their own health and combat disinformation at the same time, how you have to craft that message and what medium you use. So all of the ways that language matters and is joyous and beautiful. Um, we've been exploring those online as well. And the great joy of virtual programming is not only can you attend them from anywhere, mm. but we can bring in guests from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that health messaging program, for instance, had guests in Uganda and Brazil and Sweden and wow. Iraq. Uh, so huh. it's not the kind of thing you can pull together yeah. on the stage of your auditorium, right? Sure. Um, so that's uh, helped us explore global languages as well. Before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, love, or are learning. Let's hear it. So as I mentioned, I am monolingual English. Um, But the great thing about English is it's so weird and so (laughs) versatile and so diverse (laughs) that when you find exactly the right word that's got exactly the right connotation, it feels like a magic trick, you know? I mean, Like tired is exhausted and worn out, but sleepy is sort of cozy and adorable, right? They're not exact (laughs) synonyms. And then a bunch of words are just fun to say. So my word is both. My word is serendipity, which is totally fun to say, right? Especially Uh that dippity part. Um, But it also means something very specific. It's not just coincidence or luck or surprise. It's serendipity. I love it. That is wonderful. Well, Rebecca, this has been great. I cannot wait for all of my team and all of our listeners to come to Planet Word, check everything out in person. But thank you so much for speaking of language with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Angelica and Sam. This has just been a joy. Next week, we will speak with Nancy Martinson, Cornell's Associate Dean of Students and Director of the Asian and Asian American Center about mentoring and supporting international students. Until then, Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. 
Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.